Welcome to Stars and Roses, the podcast that recaps The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise through the lens of astrology and the zodiac. I'm your host, Hannah Piper Burns, and I can't wait to give you the celestial lowdown on everyone's favorite reality TV dating shows. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Hello and welcome to Stars and Roses. I'm Hannah Piper Burns, and I'm the metaphysical anthropologist of Bachelor Nation. Okay, so before we move into the recap of week three, I want to take a quick minute and talk about the newest buzz about Bachelor Nation, buzz about town in Bachelor Nation, which is, of course, Jaitlin. Jaitlin Bristick. Jaitlyn Tarto, the new um, bachelor couple of Caitlin Bristow, who was bachelorette. She was also on Chris Souls' season. And Jason Tardick, who was on um, Becca's last season of The Bachelorette. And if you remember, both Jason and Caitlin were co-hosting some of the satellite parties during the uh, live premiere, although they were in different places. But since that premiere... um, They've gone on a wine tasting date. She's surprised him in Seattle. She's self-identified as his girlfriend. He said she's someone very special to me. Might even use the phrase life-changing. So things are moving fast. And um, I just wanted to talk about some of the stuff I dug up about Caitlin's past love life that we know of and talk about her prospects um, with Jason. So Caitlin, as we know, as some of you may know, is a Gemini, but she has a Taurus Venus and a Cancer Stellium, which includes her um, Mars, Moon, and Mercury. And uh, her season of The Bachelorette was characterized sort of by the struggle for her to decide between Nick Vile and Sean Booth. And uh, Nick Vile is a Libra with a Libra Stellium. Uh, and I can see that sort of air sign. They're both love wit. They both, you know, are chatty and um, communication. So I see why they got along. And he also has a Gemini moon. And um, moon conjunct sun is a very auspicious synastry that points to both romantic and sexual chemistry and kind of a sense of shared purpose. And um, I've also heard that it can also point to an interesting power dynamic of the moon kind of following the sun sign. Like if it's um, moon conjunct sun, then the person who's moon sign, in this case, Nick, has kind of a subservient role or sort of submissive to the sun sign. Now, Sean Booth, who, as we know, she chose at the end, and they were engaged for several years before they broke up pretty recently. He's a Taurus sun with a Taurus Venus, moon in Aquarius, and Mars and Mercury in Gemini. So Mars conjunct sun is, let's say, like a spicier dynamic, but definitely also one characterized by a lot of chemistry and energy. And Sun conjunct Mercury also means a really easy connection that kind of makes the nuts and bolts of a relationship go more smoothly, smoothly, more easily. Um, And they also both have Venus and Taurus, and that's often promising for compatibility and love as well. So you can kind of see the areas at which they worked for a really long time. And looking at all of this, it, it kind of brings her decision between the two 
between Nick and Sean in her season into some more focus. And because she and Nick seem to like kind of really vibe, but maybe not know how to hold each other back. And um, it didn't necessarily get them in trouble where from where I'm standing, but it certainly got them in trouble in the context of the show. Uh, so like, like I said, their, their connection was undeniably powerful, but maybe not necessarily healthy. Um, but, you know, I could see this sort of steadfastness of um, Sean's double Taurus uh, placements, as well as all that sinastry, you know, and she um, has a lot of heavy uh, cancer energy, which is also very romantic. And um, interestingly enough, Jason is a Scorpio, like Chris Souls was. Um, his Venus is in Virgo. His Mars is in Pisces and his moon is either in Aries or Taurus. So it's possible that there's like a moon conjunct Venus situation, which um, could be sort of this deep emotional immediate connection. And also like that Scorpio energy, I feel like causes you to rush, kind of rush in. And like, um, I think a lot about like Ariana Grande and um, Pete Davidson, which is a cancer Scorpio relationship uh, that moved really, really, really fast. And Caitlin has all of those cancer placements. So at the end of the day, I guess my take is um, it's possible that this relationship has long-term potential, um, but Jaitlin could also be a fling. Um, so we'll just have to see. And I think it's really interesting um, that we're now starting to see um, more sort of dating within Bachelor Nation that doesn't necessarily happen within the confines of the show. And this isn't necessarily new, but it seems like they're making a bigger deal about it, which is an interesting way to sort of broaden the market of the show. So it becomes um, not just like a chance to find love uh, and also a chance to, um, you know, maybe uh, explore some new career prospects, but you're also sort of date entering an elite dating pool. Uh, if by, you know, whatever definition of elite you want to say. Uh, so, you know, I think um, Deanna Pappas ended up, marrying Michael Stagliano's twin brother, who I guess wasn't on the show, but that's like kind of a Bachelor Nation connection. And of course, Holly and Blake met on Bachelor Pad and ended up getting married. And obviously, of course, we have Ashley I and Jared, um, famously. And um, now we have Caitlin and Jason. And Caitlin and Jason, that situation's interesting because they didn't even have any overlap, like not even spinoff overlap. So we're entering a brave new world of bachelor coupling, um, unhooked from any uh, particular structure other than both in the continuum of the show. So <laughs> um, thanks for sitting with me through that. I uh, have been watching the Jaitlin situation unfold bemusedly. And um, I guess we'll have updates uh, eventually as well. So um, let's jump into week three. We have pirates and helicopters and tires. Oh my, I'm going to flip open my notes. So um, we start out, you know, with some um, processing first, like in small breakout groups by the pool and then in like a larger group facilitated by Chris. And um, so this is the last week in the mansion. So two group dates, a solo date and uh, group dates, as we know, exacerbate group dates, exacerbate whatever is already happening. And um, then a pool party. So um, 
During the first group date, which is Katie, Heather, Hannah B, Courtney, Kerpa, Tracy, Demi, and Kaylin, um, and I'm not going to lie, uh, this date gives me some flashbacks to that like super high budget pornography called Pirates that came out like 15 years ago. Um, anyway, we're starting to, you know, set those rivalries, the rivalries between Demi and Tracy and the rivalry between Caitlin and Hannah B to a full boil. Um, and of course there are some other rivalries that are going to play out on the other group date. So it's nice. we got a lot of irons in the fire in terms of, uh, the drama that's a brewing. And, um, you know, Demi, though, to be fair, is kind of more of a free agent. So she's like an equal opportunity uh, nemesis. She's uh, she's not really engaged. uh, Maybe Tracy more than anyone else. But, you know, she's getting talks from everybody, apparently. Um, But she feels like she's finally starting to come into her own. And, um, you know, I don't hate puns. Someone's got to make the pirate puns. And so in true Libra fashion, Hannah B is wearing her eye patch like a fun kind of headband fascinator combo, which is kind of like wearing fake glasses to look smart. Um, nobody really seems like they want to be hitting each other with those uh, foam things. So at this point, part of the date is sort of confusing and disappointing for me as a viewer. And likewise, Hannah B is confused and disappointed when Kaylin is chosen for the dinner theater performance uh, instead of her. Although, you know, she really thwacked the most. And um, later they convene somewhere called Big Daddy's, which I looked up and it's, uh, it's an antique store. So they're just hanging out. Actually, that would be a really fun time for me. I think I would spend a lot of time like wandering around picking things up and looking at them. Plus you have like conversation starters if you need it. You know, maybe Caitlin should have been on this date. um, So she would have found something to talk about. Um, But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, There's some really blatant foreshadowing in the form of a toast given by Colton, where he talks about how everyone's personalities are starting to emerge and um, emerge. They do. Um, so first he is with Katie and he tells her that she keeps it real, which feels microaggressive from here. Uh, but you know, if we're looking for Aries bachelorettes to carry on the tradition, I ship her hard. I think she's adorable, uh, and I like their dynamics. So I think she might go far and, um, I think America could fall in love with her. Demi says we don't know his type yet, which is accurate, and maybe also like a Libra moon thing, who knows. But she also claims that um, he wants someone who makes him nervous, which I don't really, I don't think that's true. And I I don't really see them having an emotional connection like he does with Hannah G, who's um, the other Aquarius in the cast that's left. Um, The two things that I think hold Demi back from like true vil status. That's like the, that's like slang for villain, um, in bachelor nation, um, twofold, her lack of self-awareness and her lack of like genuine connection with the lead. So like Courtney Robertson and Vienna and Corinne succeeded both because they were actually effectively seductive. Uh, and to a certain extent, owned their shit. And I think Demi's kind of failing on both counts, but we'll see. We still got a lot of weeks to go. Uh, And so 
then he's with Kaylin, and he um, he had been kind of awkward about their like kiss scene, you know, uh, in the crow's nest. <laughs> but uh, he like tries to make up for it and tells her tells her that he feels like she penetrates his guard, which is so perfect. It's like a Scorpio superpower. Um, and meanwhile, at least according to the editing of the show, meanwhile the two Libras are doing what Libras and, uh, to a lesser extent, maybe, uh, Geminis do best, which is gossip. Um, Heather's birthday is September 27th. Uh, and you can tell by her Chiron, her, um, you know, her name, uh, bar that she is now 23. This is such a Libra convo, not least of which because they're like totally in their own minds spinning shit talk as like fairness. Like, oh, it's only fair that he sees both sides of the story. Uh, now, historically, it is not best practices to use the precious time you have with the lead, especially on these group dates. It's, it's, it's not a great time to use it for shit talking, especially on the Bachelor. I feel like bachelorettes are maybe a little more um, generous about receiving that, but bachelors, by and large, like don't respond well to that. And I think here it's no exception. Um, so then he takes Kaylin aside again, and um, she's wearing a very Scorpio chic little black dress leather jacket combo. And um, she plays her hand perfectly, uh, at least here at first. She hints at this deeper dimension, but remains elusive. And that really hooks him. And um, I don't mean to imply that she's being manipulative or premeditative, that, you know, just just that her response was effective, clearly. Um, as a match, by the way, um, Scorpio and Aquarius isn't an immediate indicator of compatibility. They're both a bit, like, elusive, I guess, though, this show is, uh, it has a very procedural structure, so that prescriptive nature could work to their favor because they have these sort of prescribed vulnerability uh, times uh, that she even alludes to that like, yeah, this is going to come later. And, um, you know, Scorpios, I would say if I had to characterize their difference, it's like Scorpios go deep and Aquarians go broad. Yeah. So, um, the next day, um, well, I like, first of all, that when she gets back to the group, she like doesn't snitch, uh, in the moment in also true Scorpio fashion, but you like know that the lines have been motherfucking drawn. Uh, and then the next day she's like, chooses to confide in her like chosen cadre of confidants, um, Brie, Onyeka, and Caitlin, uh, none of them whom happen to be on the date. And of course, there's like more Libra gang gossip going on simultaneously. And um, of course, they're like setting it up like one of them is going home, which of course is not going to happen because they're going to milk this for all it's worth. Um, and I think probably, like I said, right to the two on one. Um, so then, um, we have Elise's one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, as we've 
said in the past, Elise is a Leo and um, her approach and intentions for her one-on-one exude that Leo confidence of like, I want to know if we're on the same page. Um, And spoiler alert, um, they are. And of course, um, he takes her on a helicopter ride to San Diego's Belmont Park and has a bunch of kids sharing the park with them for the day, a whole mess of children. And this appeals to her like nurturing protective instinct. And um, <laughs> that smitten kitten line did not escape me as a very Leo thing um, to say. And so here, you know, Colton is sh- like showcasing the humanitarian uh, of the Aquarius. And then, of course, he like stops a fucking roller coaster to make a speech and kiss her, which this whole date is like such an appeal to the Leo flair for drama. Like, oh, let's get in a helicopter to go to an amusement park. And oh, let me stop this roller coaster to give you a kiss. Um, and oh, let's uh, get on stage in front of a bunch of people with their iPhones right in our faces and make out uh, in front of a country singer that the show is trying to gaslight me into thinking I recognize. Um, all of that stuff would be my nightmare honestly, but, um, I think she's lapping it up like a cat with the cream. And, uh, P.S. High adrenaline dates historically are accelerants, you know, like if you go on a date where you're jumping off a building or climbing something really high or going on a roller coaster, that adrenaline bonding is powerful and it can propel you pretty, pretty, pretty far. Um, Because that's like a really intense thing to go through with someone. And notable would be like Vienna and Jake doing their um, bungee jump on um, Jake's season. Um, I am, I'm not going to gloss over Elise's heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching story of um, losing her sister and then also now caring for her sister's child. Um, there's, There's so much to that story. Um, and I think actually the, um, the podcasters over at here to make friends, the HuffPost podcast do a really good job of kind of, um, breaking that down and talking about it. Um, so I totally recommend their recap. Um, but on a lighter note, uh, I think, you know, this like comparing charities, like this is my charity and this is what it does. And like, Oh, this is my charity and this is what it does. Like that's such a Leo Aquarius, um, move. So, Leo and Aquarius, as we know, are oppositional signs, opposite signs, which doesn't necessarily mean either that they're opposed to each other or that they're in perfect harmony, like complementing each other. It's more like, I think of it like they are two sides of the same coin. Both are these like independent, strong-willed leaders. And if Aquarius's flaw is thinking collectively at the expense of the individual, then um, Leos have the opposite problem, if that makes sense. They think about the individual or the microcosm in, and the needs and the best benefit um, maybe at the expense of the macrocosm. And so this is one of those examples of how a relationship could work really well if they uh, are mirrors of each other. Um, But it could also fizzle out because their priorities do begin to have these like major, major shifts. 
So uh, then we're moving on, of course, to the second group date. And wow, they're really getting some great celebrity couples this season. I feel like they really stepped it up. Like, I know they had Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis um, for Rachel season, and that's all like well and good. But for me, like Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman and Terry Crews and Rebecca King Crews are like, what's next level kind of stuff, you know? So um, Terry Crews is a Leo uh, and his Venus is in Leo and his Mars is in Cancer. And Rebecca King Cruz is a Capricorn um, with her Venus and Mars in Aquarius, actually. Um, And so this is a really good example of a match that doesn't seem like it's well-matched, really, really working out. Um, You know, Capricorn is more about um, details and work and behind the scenes and, you know, moving slowly. And Leo is more about, like, being bold, being in the spotlight, and, um, and actually I can see how that really works for their relationship where, you know, he's, um, in the spotlight and she's, uh, also, you know, she's a hard worker. There are a lot of Capricorn artists, um, and you have to have a great work ethic, honestly, to, to be, uh, in show business. Um, and as we know, she's a singer, um, as well as an actor, Um, but yeah, that Leo Capricorn, you know, they talked a lot about how like marriage is work and she is the glue and that totally, um, tracks with that kind of combination. So, and they've been married for 29 years. So just goes to show, you know, astrology obviously is not, uh, a determination of your fate. You know, it might be your factory settings, but depending on the kind of personal work that you're doing, the kind of things that you look for in other people, the way you were raised, all of that stuff, um, you know, and, you know, just basically your own free will can't be discounted either, you know, so take it all with a grain of salt. I always think of this as like a matrix for understanding yourself and other people. And that shouldn't necessarily influence your decisions, but give them extra context, if that makes sense. So here we are on this fitness date, which I feel really like Katie should have been on. I feel like she can whip those ropes. Uh, she would have nailed it. Um, I have a new life goal, which is to flip a fucking truck tire. I think I'll start with a bike tire and just like work my way up. Um, and you can kind of tell, <laughs> you can tell by the way, uh, Colton cracks that rope, you know, that's that Capricorn Mars jumping out. Um, and all the ladies roll up. Uh, he's shirtless. I love that Nicole calls him topless and not shirtless. That really won, that really won my heart. Um, and you know, speaking of Nicole, I was really kind of suspicious about this date at first. It felt kind of ableist. Um, and, uh, but it just goes to show, you know, Nicole, uh, didn't have the same fitness level as some of the other women. She didn't have the same competitiveness as some of the other women, but, uh, it still ended up in her favor. Um, so, um, you know, I myself prefer jazzercise. So this would be a weird date for me. Um, jazzercise would not be a weird date for me. Um, I feel like that would be really great. I'm just thinking about like when, um, Juan Pablo was in South Korea and they danced on stage with that K-pop band 21 or like, uh, when Nick, uh, had the Backstreet Boys concert, like that's totally my thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if like a gym date is for me. Um, but Catherine, 
uh, at least at first, is killing it. She's a double black belt, and that's my favorite thing about her. Um, I, uh, uh, of course, you know, this is the kind of date that can catalyze a shitload of policing, you know, as we've discussed, and, like, specifically slut-shaming. Um, and, uh, you see that with Colton, uh, stretching out, um, Sydney. And, um, then we have, like, Cassie commenting on it, and, you know, we've talked about Cassie and how she has the potential to go far, and we'll mention her a little bit later in the context of her one-on-one time with Colton, but, like, I don't know if I would want to marry someone who somehow, like, both slut-shamed me and disparaged my virginity in the same catty-ass breath, you know? Like, not, that's, yeah, that's a bad portent. Um, for me, (laughs) for the future. Um, and, um, Sydney, by the way, this seems like a good time as a time as any to talk about Sydney for a second. Um, I had a lovely conversation with Sydney earlier, uh, over Instagram, and I want to thank her so much for reaching out to me with a really important correction on her birthday. Um, full disclosure, I was going to spend a lot of time, uh, on this episode, talking about all the ways that Sydney was just epitomizing Capricorn culture, and I've been memeing about it a little bit. Um, and it turns out that I had her birthday wrong. Um, I was trying to find it off Instagram, and I must have uh, mistaken it for someone else, uh, someone else's birthday. But her real birthday is July second, nineteen ninety one, which makes her a Cancer. She's a Cancer. Her moon is in Pisces, but her Venus and Mars are in Leo, and her um, her Uranus, her Neptune, her Lilith, and her ascendant node are all in Capricorn. So she actually does have a lot of Capricorn placements, uh, and she, you know, her Venus and Mars in Leo, like that's definitely um, some of that competitive spirit. Um, and her um, her Saturn is in Aquarius, so they have Sun conjunct Saturn, which is like work ethic stuff. Um, and you know what I'm seeing in her chart is you know all of this kind of Leo energy, um, of course, that um, makes the dancer uh, profession make sense, being in the spotlight, um, but kind of balanced or opposed by this you know, sun and Mercury and Cancer and that moon in Pisces, that like emotionality. Um, and I really hope we get to know more about Sydney in the context of the show. I hope she goes farther. Whoop! <laughs> Sorry, I just knocked something off my desk. I can't even blame my cat for that one. Um, no, I think we uh, would all like to see more of her. At least I would like to see more of her. And I want to see how that um, astrology plays out for her. So let's get her off of these group dates or like at least get her um, some more screen time where she's um, not just competing in these like events, but like we actually get to know her a little bit better. Um, And just, you know, I've talked a lot about how she epitomizes Capricorn. Um, And like I just said, you know, astrology is a, um, is a matrix of understanding. And you can think about, you know, that cancer, you know, what she talks about sacrifice, like sacrifice, uh, like of her job and like, is this worth the sacrifice? I was interpreting that as Capricorn, like work value, but sacrifice is a really, cancers are really into that. They love to sacrifice for other people. They think a lot about the idea of sacrifice. I think it goes back to that idea of vulnerability for them. Um, and like, do I come out of the shell? Do I sacrifice my safety? 
And so uh, it's really interesting to sort of reframe my understanding of her through that revelation. So thank you so much, Sydney. Um, I had such a great time talking to you about your chart and about human design and all those other things. And um, I'm really looking forward to following your story. Um, other notable things that happened during this date, Rebecca Cruz flexes her boobs. Um, Fred Willard is, um, gosh, they're, you know, really trying to push that best in show. I didn't look up his astrology. Maybe I will someday. Um, but yeah, it, it's so funny. Like next to Fred Willard, Chris Harrison looks even more creepily ageless. Um, and, um, I love that, you know, a strong woman competition, quote unquote, where all of the events are directly related to marriage is like the apotheosis of the uh, ambivalent and contradictions uh, inherent to The Bachelor that are like absolutely crazy making. Um, And, uh, you know, Sydney is really getting after it. Nicole is is not. Um, but in true Sagittarius fashion, she's just kind of laughing along with it. She's remaining um, optimistic. Some of this feels really unsafe from like a, I don't know, like you hit, you flip that tire wrong. You got to lift with your knees, you know, like pulling that limo. Like that seems like a really good way to hurt your back. Um but anyway, at the end, um, we have Sydney, Anika, and Catherine, who clearly uh, have a lot of athletic prowess, um, facing off with this very like poetic, heavy heart competition that involves running around with these medicine balls. Um, and Anika wins, and she she drops a Ricky Bobby quote, um, which also seems kind of Gemini. And um, but he, you know, for what it's worth, he and Anika don't seem to have, um, any real chemistry. Um, but, uh, I do think it's interesting as a Gemini that she, you know, she's a Gemini who ran track and, uh, Gemini like Virgo is ruled by Mercury and that's a very like meep meep energy. (laughs) Um, so then, um, finally they get to change out of their athleisure between the pirate date and this date. We saw a lot of pretty fierce athleisure looks. I'm really into athleisure personally, um, for the jazzercise that I do, uh, obviously. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, some of the contestants post about, um, brands, those budding influencers, um, so then, uh, yeah, we're in the uh, cocktail party portion of the date, and Taisha, the awesome Virgo, who I ship hard, also in leather, and um, uh, he, what he likes about her is very Virgo, that he uh, likes that she works her butt off, um, and he likes that she's supportive. And something you need to know about Virgos is that they work their butts off, and they're supportive. Sometimes that support looks a little like criticism, but it's always meant to support, at least from where I'm standing. Um, he kind of, uh, okay, so here we are with Cassie. He calls her cute, quirky, and awkward. And her response is, am I really that awkward? Which I thought was great. Um, I love when, um, men try to neg, um, as a, some kind of weird compliment. Um, he, uh, 
says that he gives her butterflies, which of course feels like a nice um, symmetric reference back to her entrance where she had all those fake butterflies, um, which I like to think about as just dead butterflies that she dumped out of that box. Um, And uh, that she's cute and sexy at the same time. So good for her on that one. And they're kissing up against a window, uh, which feels like a pretty um, promising edit. Like that's definitely a moment that could be flashback to in like a longer story about their love towards the end of the season, say. Um, And he says that he can't, he feels like he can be himself around her. Um, Maybe he wouldn't say that if he knew what she was saying behind his back. Who knows? Um, meanwhile, uh, poor Caitlin exhibits that classic, like, analytic Virgo nature, where she's, like, super cerebral, but can't connect emotionally, um, and, like, literally doesn't know what to open up about, um, and she kind of makes it seem like she wants someone to blow off steam with, which feels very Virgo, too, like, work hard, play hard, um, but it's obviously, like not what he is into. And of course we find out that, um, she's the one going home. So that sort of, um, you know, it's not going to be Hannah B or Kaylin this episode. And, um, you know, this is the moment, you know, of course, where, uh, we're, we're supposed to take this as an indication that he's not fucking around. Um, and (laughs) she says like, she feels like he's throwing her away. Um, and she gets a little harsh in the limo and, you know, I think, I think all Virgos, myself definitely included, could learn to take criticism better. And, um, I think Aquarians are kind of great at taking criticism, um, mostly because, uh, very little of it lands. Um, so yeah, Nicole's getting the rose, which shows that vulnerability pays off more than, um, you know, like meeting him on his own terms, in this case, fitness is maybe less important to him than, um, you know, like a larger uh, ability to open up and be vulnerable. So that's a positive sign. And I'm happy that she's getting a story arc. Um, and, um, Chiron, (laughs) Chris Harrison, Karen, um, he can also be anagrammed out to Karen, who's the ferryman across the river Styx, um, which I love. I love that image too, of him as sort of like the go-between between, um, our world and Bachelor Nation, and he's ferrying people back and forth. Um, you know, comes down to announce that the cocktail party is now a pool party, gives them the big fake out. Um, but it's likely that at some other point in the season, Chris will say, the words I always love to hear, the cocktail party is canceled and we're going to be going straight to the rose ceremony. Um, pool party gives a lot of great opportunities to see people in bikinis. Um, I call that fan service. It's not a um, total interest to me. Um, and But, you know, Demi is taking control of the situation because none of the other women are allowing it to happen. You know, like... She, uh, they're, you know, she's taking advantage of their hesitancy, basically. Um, and then of course he talks to Hannah G who didn't get a date this week and was worried and he assures her that it's a good thing, which, you know, like I said, their connection feels really natural. It feels like they recognize each other. He says she feels like home. She's going to go far. It looks like, um, and then you've got this, um, you know, Hannah B and Kaylin again, basically dominate the rest of this pool party. You know, you've got that just kill me smile. 
and um, she talks about this like uh, quote unquote tank of rage, but I kind of think that she's bluffing. Um, and you know, it's poor, poor Colton, you know, I'm sure that Libra emotionality, um, is, you know, he's got this sort of like Capricorn, like, I hate this drama, but the Libra sort of like, oh, but I kind of love this drama and this Aquarius, like, I just want the truth. Right. Um, and a, a really hard time sort of deciding um, what's real and what's uh, the fair way to approach this situation. And we can tell he's like off with the producer about it. And um, clearly this is weighing on all the women who aren't getting time with him as a result. And um, so we'll see how this evolves once they uh, get on the road. So um, eliminations include Brie, but you know what? She got her 15. Um and she might be a paradise, uh, she might be a good paradise bet. Um, Catherine, who I guess finally gets her dog back. I really wish they had shown, like, that reunion scene, like, at the end or something, where she, like, gets to see her dog again. Maybe it was really awful and anticlimactic and awkward. I hope not. Um, Nina, also a bid for Bip, although probably I could see her as like a late arrival, like as the as the couples get established. I could see Nina as being a wild card that comes in sort of toward the end of Bip to shake things up. And um, that wraps us up for this week. Um, next week, we'll have a lot more to share. I wanted to get more into Natal Mercury this week, but... Um, too much happened and we had to talk about Jaitlin, obviously, and I had to update you about Sydney, obviously. So I want to dig into Mercury a little bit more at some point because communication style is really important on a show like this where you don't get a lot of time to communicate. Uh, so hopefully that'll be coming up next week. Um, episode will drop next Wednesday. In the meantime, as always, you can find me at starsandroses underscore podcast uh, at, in, on Instagram, at Instagram. And um, I've been updating with some memes. Uh, I'll continue memeing, doing some screenshots. And of course, if uh, I have a birthday wrong or you just want to chat batch, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Like so far, I've just been super starstruck and also um, extremely grateful for all the interactions that I've had uh, that have res that have come out of this podcast. So um, bring it on! I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'm I want to thank you for being on this journey with me. And I can't wait to see where it goes.